Welcome to the Inspired to Be Authentic podcast. I am your host, Matt Lancedale. Inspired to Be Authentic is a podcast where we converse with people who are living their most authentic lives. We get real with our guests and talk openly about how they live with courage to be themselves. We explore barriers they have overcome to be more authentic and aligned to themselves and their purpose. Today is episode number eight, and we are joined by Justin Lee. Welcome, Justin. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. Um, so today we are going to be talking about soulful intimacy. So this is Justin's company, Soulful Intimacy, um, and we're going to be talking about learning how to be soulfully intimate. Um, this is a real cool uh, area to talk about relationships. We'll talk about some intimacy with ourselves and how we can develop more uh, more intimacy with ourselves and just the relationship between intimacy and authenticity. So without any further ado, let's... Um, I'll introduce uh, Justin through his bio. So uh, through a combination of one-to-one and group work, Justin helps men and women to create the meaningful, empowering relationships they know are possible. His vision is a world where we share, share deeper intimacy and connection with each other in and outside of the bedroom. Justin has over a decade of experience in community building and holding intentional space across the globe. Trained and mentored by some of the world's best teachers in conscious relating, somatic awareness, embodied movement, and sacred sexuality. He brings a unique blend of tools, magic, and experience to those seeking a new paradigm for love, connection, and intimacy. To find out more, you can check out his webpage, which is www.soulfulintimacy.com. So lots of cool stuff there for us to uh, to chat about. Um, you know, I always give people an opportunity to start just to kind of tell us a bit about who you are, uh, maybe your story of origin, like kind of how you got into this work. Um, yeah, why don't we start there? Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I spent a good part of my life very disconnected, you know, very not even really aware of all these, you know, the ideas of emotions, the idea of even deeper relationship. It was very foreign to me. Um, and I spent most of my 20s very, I'll say I was very lost. I was very uh, much into smoking a lot of marijuana, just very, just kind of not exactly um, – who I would say I am now. And it wasn't until uh, until I turned uh, 30 and I moved from Denver to San Diego, California, and I started doing men's work. And that was probably really the first major step in me just becoming a little more aware of what's, aware of what's possible. Mm-hmm. And so through men's work, started getting much more connected to my body, started getting a lot more uh, distanced from some of my addictions. I was able to just work things out, talk things through, scream and shout and all that good stuff. Yeah. And from that started to get connected with, you know, more, I'll say more meaningful relationships, you know, with people who were a little bit more advanced than me. You know, one of my, uh, you know, first real relationships was someone who was a few years older and being involved with her community and just the dynamics there really exposed me, I feel, to a lot of what was or what is available and as i kind of sunk more and more into that i was able to use some of the uh some of the i guess some of the experiences of my 20s where i was a sales trainer and uh, you know marketing manager stuff like that all that fun stuff and i was able to kind of blend it into something that is yeah something that that is you know able to be given to people so they can possibly have some tools like i've found as well yeah yeah, I like that. What um, what made you take the avenue of wanting to specifically work with um, with human connection, with relationships? 
that's funny. They they say that the thing that you know that we that our wounds can sometimes be the things that draw us. You know, can sometimes be our work, right? And yeah, and yeah, I'd say that that uh, you know, in some ways, it's it's something that a lot of people used to tell me. You know, when I, especially in my early thirties, when I was kind of going through, I guess my beginning stages, I had a lot of reflections from people saying that I would be very good at doing this kind of thing. And as I kind of explored more and more of it, there were definitely periods of time where I got very disillusioned with it myself and just like, who am I, you know, like, who am I to do this thing and all that. But, you know, it's really something that I've gotten a lot of personal joy from. And I think it's nice when other people like it too. So there's yeah. a little bit of you know, positive feedback with that. And, and yeah, so now we're, we're, we're moving in that direction. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, I want to share a bit of backstory so people understand how we know each other. Um, yeah. When I got to Chiang Mai, I was introduced to a girl named Stephanie. And uh, she brought me to, well, first of all, she started talking about this thing called a cuddle puddle. And um, I'm like, what's a cuddle puddle? And she's like, oh, it's a it's a conscious event where we get together and uh, you basically cuddle with strangers. And immediately, as soon as um, she told me that I got anxiety in my body, I was like, why would you want to cuddle with strangers? And um, I'm the kind of person that I lean into my anxiety or I lean into my discomfort. And because I want to, I'm curious about it. Why is this causing me a discomfort? So um, I decided after like a week of thinking about it, I decided I would go. And lo and behold, Justin was the one that was facilitating these, uh, these cuddle parties or, or, Basically, I'll let you talk a bit about them, but because uh, maybe I'm not describing them the best. But I ended up going to one, and I had some really cool uh, interactions with people. I was able to be held by people in um, non-platonic, or I should say, platonic ways, and uh, um, we practiced working with boundaries and consent and, and these sorts of things. And uh, it was a really cool experience for me. Do you want to tell uh, the listeners a little bit about what these uh, cuddle puddles are? Yeah, sure. Um... So cuddle gatherings have been around for quite a while. Um, They're definitely not something that I came up with. It's something that started in the States, I believe, and it's really evolved. I mean, at this point, I think they've been kicking around for probably at least 15, 20 years. And I remember when I first started going to them back in San Diego, it was, yeah, it was pretty confronting to begin with. It was confronting, but it was also exciting. You know, yeah. Because there was this element of like, ooh, connection with people, and we're going to touch. Sounds sounds cool. And for me, my my journey with that was once I went to a first you know my, my first couple of, of events, it clicked and it made me really realize how much I was touch deprived, yeah. and how a lot of the things I used to do were uh, were a symptom of that. Yeah, and. You know, over over the uh, you know just being exposed to that kind of of, uh, of experience really gave me like it really healed a lot of things for me. You know, really touched a lot of things. Really, you know, kind of filled in some you know filled in some some holes I think that I had at the time. Yeah. And and after um, I was with uh, my my former partner Sarah, who was also holding that holding space with us here in uh, in Chiang Mai. Yeah. Yeah. She brought it up. She's like, well, "Why don't we do this thing?" And we're like. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. So, just to just to plug it a little bit, um, you know, we call them Cuddle Club here in, in Chiang Mai. But if you jump on cuddle uh, cuddleparty.com, it's like the official official thing. Yeah. So you can check out that. And there's and it's beautiful because it is strictly platonic, right? And it really is a really um, 
you know, at least the space we hold and obviously other people hold as well. It's designed to be a safe, comfortable space where not only are we able to explore touch and connection, but at least with our events, we also have a very strong component of working with consent boundaries and like we play, uh, play games that, that facilitate that. And really, you know, even myself, I step out of each event with a little more awareness and a little more uh, comfortability with saying yes to things, saying no to things, asking for what I want. And, and especially in our, in our culture today, you know, having these kind of tools and just awareness of how to, how to do this thing, right. Is, yeah. uh, and it's really valuable. Yeah, it was it was really interesting for me because um, well, there was a couple things that stood out for me, and the first one was when we played the games at the beginning, and we we were practicing saying yes, even if we wanted to say no, and we practiced saying no, even if we wanted to say yes. And what was really interesting about that for me is that my body had the ability to answer, and my mind had the ability to answer as well. And oftentimes we use our mind to trump our body, and my body didn't want this experience, but my mind felt like it needed to uh, out of whatever you know guilt or you know people pleasing or these types of habits we get caught up in. And, um, and as soon as I started to honor my body, I started, the anxiety went away because the anxiety was created by these thoughts that I was having. Like, you know, what if nobody wants to cuddle with me or, um, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, we just, we psych ourselves out. Right. And as soon as I let those go, it was a really cool experience because I actually being identifying as gay, I didn't cuddle with a, with a man at, at uh, the event. I cuddled with um, three separate females and I have never really had much cuddle experience with, with, with the female energy. And I, it was so neat for me because um, we're all nurtured into this life for the most part by a female energy, by, by a, uh, our mothers, right? And it was so cool for me. It brought me back to that kind of that initial attachment bond with, with my mom uh, through being connected to in that female energy. So I just think it's really cool to be able to let go of um, preconceived ideas moving into a new experience and just allow it to kind of be. It's really neat. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that for me, I, de- I identify as, I guess, a straight man, yeah. straight male. And so for me, it was actually the, the exact opposite in a way, right? Yeah. It was through these kind of cuddle events and touch positive spaces that I was able to connect with men in a platonic way, right? Sometimes an essential way, but just, and it was, it was so healing because I recognized how much as children, you know, most kids, they just kind of play with each other, right? It doesn't matter about gender. They just kind of roll around and they touch and they kiss and they just kind of have a great time. Right. And it really reminded me, you know, of, of something that perhaps I, you know, experienced as a child and was missing, you know, as an adult. Yeah. So yeah. It's a beautiful experience to have these spaces. Yeah, it really is. Um, so for me, one of the things that, and maybe we can talk about this cause I did want to touch on it, but um, something that I experienced going into the cuddle group was not wanting to make other heterosexual men like other uh, heterosexual men uncomfortable. Um, if they, if I wanted to cuddle, cause I did have a yearning to want to go there and cuddle with guy in a platonic way, but I, it never ended up happening. And I wonder for myself, how much of my life I went through repressing that, that desire of wanting to connect with, with a male, because I didn't want to be seen as, you know, whatever, um, gross or, or gay or these sorts of things that we, we grew up and that I wonder how much of that really has a play, which really would be shame. How much of that shame has a play in how we allow ourselves to connect intimately with people, whether it's of the same sex or not? Mm. Yeah, I'd say there's a lot of that. There's, there's a, you know, a lot of connections there. 
I think especially as men, I think regardless, right, whether we're straight or we're gay or whatever we are in between, I think there's a stigma of men connecting with men in a way that isn't competition or, or you know, stuff like that yeah. is either not okay or it's weird and there's like, there's no place for it. Yeah. Right. And I think that as we, yeah, I think it's really um, uh, challenging, you know, because we do tend to hold back. You know, I know I still hold back a lot of times, right. And a lot of my own personal process is you know, owning, owning who I am, owning what I want and, you know, speaking to it. And yeah. you know, sometimes I get what I want. That's great. Sometimes I don't, but I find that the, that the empowerment piece and the ownership piece really comes from, you know, first of all, finding out just internally, what is it that I want in this moment? Yeah. And then of course the next step is how do I, you know, speak it out. Yeah. And then of course the third is what do I do with, you know, what do I do when I should get what I want? Right. That's always a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How do we begin to understand what we want or even own what we want? Like you talk about ownership of, of what we want. How do we even begin to do that? Well, I'd say that everyone's path is going to be different. Yeah, I would agree. Right. And, right? and, and so I can really only best speak to my own experience you know, in terms of how I found out what I want. And I think it's like with a lot of things, it's trial and error. Yeah. You know, a lot of things that I've, you know, it's almost like going to, to a restaurant, right? There's a menu and it's like, a lot of times when I go to, to a restaurant, it's like there is that anxiety, even though even though I know I can come back to that restaurant tomorrow, right, order from the same menu again and like roll the dice again. There's always that little bit of like, uh, I'm going to call it like personal pressure, right, that makes mm -hmm. me wonder like, oh, like I really want this thing, but I kind of want this thing too. Which one do I pick? And, and you know, the reality is we don't really know which one we're actually going to like, which one's going to be, you know, which meal is going to do better for our body, right, which yeah. one's going to be more challenging until we try, right? And that's why... I really you know, feel strongly about having you know, events and spaces that are held that give people an opportunity just to play with this thing we call life. Yeah, I like that. It, and it really is. It's all about trial and error and putting yourself out there, taking risks. And I call it living courageously, right? We, we, we have to feel the fear and do it anyway because fear is always going to be present. Right? It's very, very rare for us to step into fearlessness. We, it can happen, but we, we often feel the fear and do it anyway, right? And that's, that's a big part of it. Um, what, like, what is soulful intimacy? I, I love that name. It just sounds good. It feels good just to even say it. What, uh, what does that mean to you? Yeah, soulful intimacy for me, it's the, you know, it came to me, I'd say, probably about a little over a year and a half ago or so. And same thing, like you mentioned, like, like it came to my brain and it was like, oh, that sounds good. I like it. We're going with it. Yeah. And really my intention with it is really to speak to the fact that, or my belief that we are more than just, you know, physical matter, right? That we are spirit and that we are perhaps energy and there's all these different layers and levels to us. And, and that when it comes to intimacy, I feel most of the time, I know even today when I use the word intimacy, I'm careful to use it because it's, there's such a stigma to it also, right? Intimacy equals essentially for, you know, for, um, you know, the, I guess like the, the first thought that sometimes pops in our, our heads is essentially sex, right? Yeah. Or something, something under, under that umbrella. Yeah. And me attaching soulful to it gives more, 
gives it more depth, it gives it more space to where we can experience our own soul, you know, personally, and also the souls of other people. And really to, and the other piece I also like, I also like with that is that it is a process of becoming more, um, you know, like I believe our soul is definitely full as it is, but maybe our awareness of it isn't as, um, you know, we're not aware of it as much, right? So it's almost that process of expanding into the soulfulness of who we are as, as people. Yeah, I agree. And I, I wrote, wrote or read one of your posts about consciousness and how it's, a, it's a, a slippery word to use because we often think about it as an absolute statement. I'm conscious or I'm not, but we're always ebbing and flowing, right? We, we, we step into our higher self, we come down into our more human self and we're always doing this, right? And um, I think that's really important. So how, how much of being a conscious uh, human being plays into your ability to be able to be more intimate with people. Mm, it's interesting because I thought about this a lot recently and it almost seems like that's a little bit of a line in the sand. Yeah. Because I do believe that in order to be, you know, just to touch on what the, what that post kind of spoke to is the idea that being conscious is being aware. Right. And in some ways to be fully aware of ourselves yeah. Right. Of course, the challenge is that very rarely am I fully aware of myself. Right. It's like yeah. you mentioned that ebb and flow. And the challenge is that if I'm going to, if I want to connect with another person, I can really only share myself as fully as much as I know myself. Yeah. And, and if there's the desire between two people to have a more, uh, I'll say more deeper and a more meaningful uh, connection and relationship where there's a little more, um, yeah, where there's a little more depth to it, it almost requires that there's an awareness of not only the things that make me feel good, but also you know, the things that I want to hide, things that perhaps I hide from myself, things I hide from other people. And to me, when, when I'm able to experience all of that for myself, that's usually when I personally feel the, the, the most alive, right? Yeah. And right, when it comes to relationship, I feel that the most meaningful relationships are the ones where there are two people who are actively moving towards aliveness that are interweaving and dancing from that, that, that point. And that's where we get a lot of beauty and a lot of uh, excitement and a lot of uh, that expansive, you know, ecstasy that can come from relationships where there's you know, a lot of, a lot of soul. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. What would you say is the biggest barrier to people being able to step into that? Because I think so many people, we all want that. We just want to feel connected. We want to feel seen, heard, felt. And we want to step into that energy to be able to hold space for somebody to show up that way for us. But it's so challenging, right? What do you think is the biggest barrier between, between people being able to do that? I think the biggest barrier is a lot of the, um, a lot of the, a lot of the beliefs that we were given or that we believed growing up and that we still believe in and accept in today's, you know, as, as adults. Um, because I feel like, a, I feel like, I feel like as humans, we intrinsically already know what it is, like you said, that we want. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that we, we intrinsically know how to do it as well. It's just that as people growing up in our modern society, we've had so much stuff laid on top of us, right? Education, you know, the stuff that our parents gave us that maybe they just didn't know any better, right? The stuff we learn from TV, the stuff that we learn from, from the media, all this stuff, and it just layers and layers and layers. And all of a sudden, 
you know, maybe we're 20 or 30 or whatever age we are, we kind of become aware of that. Then the process has to be of how do we, like, how do we let go and how do we kind of, you know, yeah, exactly. Unwind ourselves to, yeah. to, to get to that, that innocent point, right? Because again, I really believe that, that at our, you know, at our core, we're already natural, like we're natural lovers, right? Like, like it just, it's part of who we are as humans. I think we're all like, we're, we're, we're built this way. It's just that there's so much, you know, stuff in the way that comes from basically the external world. Yeah. 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 I like that. And I like how you talk about, we can only love someone as deep as we love ourselves, right? We can only have the experience with someone as deep as we have the experience with ourselves. And um, I think on the journey of, of authenticity, it's really where we get to become aligned to who we are. And the more aligned we are to ourselves, the more we're able to experience the soulfulness of our own intimacy, right? And that gives us permission to step into the soulful intimacy with another. But if we don't have a, a soulfully intimate relationship with ourselves, it makes it really challenging to have a relationship with someone else in, in that way. So in your experience or even with your clients, when somebody doesn't have a soulful intimate relationship with themselves and they move into a relationship with somebody and they want that, how does that express itself? What does that look like? That's a good question. Yeah. Typically it expresses itself in, this is a little bit dramatic, but chaos, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I say that jokingly, but there is some truth to that. Yeah. Right? I've because, been there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally. Myself included. And, and yeah. the reason why I, I, I say it that way is because, you know, what, I'd say that what can happen many times when one person or two people aren't in this kind of, you know, personal intimate space is we're actually expressing ourselves and we're living and we're communicating the way we're interacting is really from our ego, mm-hmm. right? It's from our egos, from our doubts, our fears, the, the weird stuff that our head tells us. And quite frankly, a lot of that's chaotic, Yeah. right? And so, and the challenge is, of course, if there's two people that are kind of coming in that space, then it's, you know, it's, um, yeah, it can be really challenging. It can be really challenging sometimes because it's, you know, because of course the ego resists to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't want to be told that it's like, you know, not, uh, not the, uh, not the captain of the ship. Yeah. And so it really is a process of, of almost stepping back, you know, and recalibrating, like you said, realigning ourselves to ourselves. So that when we are connecting with another person, what we're offering is something that has a lot more foundation to it. And someone else can can trust it a little bit more and there's more to stand on, more to build on. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I've been uh, doing that work for, God, to the last five years, just really trying to align to myself and um, growing up with a lot of shame. Shame became a very, very um, toxic thing in my life that I developed a strong ego around and my ego expressed itself through perfectionism and my perfectionism didn't want to show up in the totality of who I am in my intimate relationships. Cause I didn't want to be seen as not perfect. I had a real struggle with that and I, I it really affected my self-worth. So I ended up becoming the type of lover that tried to control everything because I wanted to control the outcome because that's what perfectionism was about. So my, my journey has been about surrendering and letting go of all that and letting and, and, and allowance, allowing myself to show up in who I am in, in, in both my light and my shadows, right? That's such an important aspect of, of my work. Um, how important do you think it is for somebody to be able to embrace or befriend the shadow parts of themselves in order for them to show up and be intimate with a partner? 
I'd say it's almost a requirement, if not only a prerequisite for deep, meaningful relationships that are, I'll just say healthy. Hmm. Uh, because if I don't know my shadows, right? If I don't know the things that, or if I'm not familiar with them, you know, then in some ways those aspects of me are still going to show up, right? Like I, like I believe that the shadow parts of us or the negative parts of us or whatever, whatever you want to call those things, like they're going to show up regardless, right? Even if I'm totally aware of them, they're yeah. still going to show up. Exactly. Right? Yeah. The, the difference is whether or not when they show up, can I own them? Because if I don't own them, what is what is the usual kind of equation is it's not mine. It must be yours. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. now there's something, there's something else that's in between myself and this other person. Right. And, you know, as a, as a responsible person, right. As you know, good human, you know, it's kind of, you know, we kind of do have to, you know, I guess we don't have to, but it is our, our choice to look at the pieces that are on the table and say, which ones are mine, which ones are yours. And let's, let's own these a little more so that when they do come out, not only is there space for them in a way that isn't destructive, mm-hmm. but they're also, but we're also able to, able to hold them in a way where we can love them through, you know, we can love them and, and really care for those parts because those parts, the shadow parts of us are typically the parts that need the most love. Right. Yeah. And yeah, love and awareness. I think it's probably the hardest work we can do as human beings. <laughs> I really do. It's a, uh... It's, it's really challenging. And I think when we do become into a relationship with somebody, whether it's platonic or not, we have an opportunity to practice acceptance for their shadows, for the things that maybe we see in them that, that don't feel as desirable as we'd like them to be. But what ends up happening is when we don't hold space for ourselves to accept these things in ourselves, how on earth can we accept them in other people? So they become our triggers. And I, I really believe that that's when we attract people into our lives that are the, of the relationships that aren't good for us is, well, they're not good for us in maybe the sense of where we would like to be, but they're good for us in the sense of getting us to where we want to be. I've had many of those relationships uh, where they crack you open. They point out all the things that you need to focus on and work on. <laughs> and that's a part of intimacy, right? And that's maybe why a lot of people avoid intimate relationships is because it makes them feel uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 Cause it's definitely uncomfortable at times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can be. Um, what's, what's one, what's one tip that you'd like to share with the audience that, that can help them find more comfort in, um, being able to be more intimate with people. Mm. Mm. I'd say the one that has been the most meaningful for me, and probably the, the, the one that gives me the most juice is time out of relationship, right? Because a lot of times our, you know, a lot of the patterns that we have is that as you know, we think like, oh, I need to be in a relationship or I want to be in a relationship. There's, so there's always this focus towards wanting something that I either, either want more of this thing I already have or I want this thing that I don't have, yeah. right? But if we look at it, both of those, you know, both those options are very much external. And I do find that there is a lot of benefit to taking some time out, mm-hmm. right? I always like to say that my primary partner is myself, right? Whether I'm with someone or not, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's all me, 
Yeah. Right. And if I don't have a true, you know, meaningful, intimate relationship with myself, then I'm always going to be like, I'm always going to feel whether I'm aware of it or not, a little bit, not quite in balance. Right. And if I'm in a partnership with someone and they're trying to dance with someone who is a little bit off balance all the time, you know, you can see how it can very quickly either just not work or it can become chaotic and all these things that can happen. And, and basically the dance isn't as nice as it could be. Yeah. And so I really feel like having, having intentional time where we just step back yeah. and we just build a relationship with ourselves is probably the one, of the most, one of the most meaningful things. And one of the, the um, yeah, it's one of the most um, bang for your buck kind of, kind of things that we can do. Yeah. I like that. And actually it's a perfect segue because I wanted to, what I wanted to talk about next was, was abandonment. Uh, abandonment wounds are, are very, very um, intense for people. And a lot of people have them. And they're one of the main reasons that prevent people from intimate relationships. Um, I think because it, it ties into avoidant attachment styles, anxious attachment styles, really the fear comes down to abandonment and we express it in different ways. Some people move into the relationship to try and meet their abandonment needs or their needs for connection. Some people move away because they're afraid of abandonment. So it, it really plays a big, big role. And I would say 90% of the people I work with in my, in my coaching practice have some form of abandonment or fear of abandonment um, wounds. So how does this express itself? Like, let's shine some light on this area so people can maybe have a little bit of introspection for themselves on what this looks like. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 interesting, you know, because to me, without getting too far down some rabbit holes, I think part of the challenge of the way that many of us were brought up, you know, even the way a lot of us were brought into the world, has a lot of abandonment attached to it. You know, a lot of the way that you know, unless someone was born in, let's just say, not a hospital, right? There's a good chance that there was some type of trauma that happened within our body at a very, very young, impressionable age. Yeah. And so from that point forward, you know, like five minutes in, right, we're kind of in this space where we just, where we've got all these kind of um, uh, unresolvedness, right, that, that's inside of us. And so for me, I think it's important to acknowledge that first, right, that there, that at some point in time, there was an abandonment, right? Whether it was, you know, correct or wrong and whether or not there was someone to blame, doesn't really matter, right? The fact that there was something that happened, you know, at some point in time that, that, that kind of trickles down, I think is one of the first steps, right? Because if yeah. we don't acknowledge that, then it's really difficult to, to really do any work around it. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that's huge. So acknowledgement being being the first step, and then where do we where would we want to move from there? Once we maybe maybe the audience is listening to this, they're like, yeah, you know, I get really anxious in relationships, or I don't I don't find I make enough time for myself in relationships. Maybe this is an abandonment wound. Where do they go from from after they've acknowledged it? Mm. It's tricky sometimes with this because there's there's so much nuance, right? Yeah, of course, and it, it's going to yeah. be obviously in any situation, it's going to be the person, right? And I, I've worked with many different clients where you take it from a completely different angle based off of who they are and their experiences. But maybe we could just even have open dialogue between you and I on things that have worked for us. I know I have abandonment wounds. Um, you know, what, how do they express themselves? What do they look like? How have we got to a place where we can feel more safe in an experience where we don't have control, right? That's what it comes down to. It's a, it's a control thing, right? <laughs> 
Definitely. Right. And I think it's important to like, what it helps me is remembering that the part of me that wants control is my brain, right? Yeah. It's my mind. Right. Mm-hmm. When I feel into my heart and I drop back a little deeper into my body, right. Yeah. Personally, maybe you know, listeners can experience this differently or the same way, but I find that my heart and my body don't tend to have as much need for control, right? There's a little bit more spaciousness to it, yes. right? And so I think that's one of that. That's definitely one of the tools that I that I bring in. A lot of somatics, a lot of returning to the body, right? Like really just loving ourselves back in, so that we can come back out, right? A little more, you know, a little more solid, a little more whole. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I, 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 a saying from from my book is um, the mind feeds on the past and the present or the past and the future and the heart feasts on the present moment. Mm-hmm. Right. And the past and the future is where anxiety, control, expectation, all those things exist. They create, they're created in the mind. As soon as we allow ourselves space to drop down and, and, and be there for ourselves. And that's really what holding space for ourselves looks like. It looks like dropping out of the, the incessant mental chatter and, and being there, putting our hand on our heart and just being there for ourselves as we experience exactly what we're experiencing because if we wouldn't be experiencing if we weren't meant to be experiencing it and for me that's been a blessing to be able to do that and i i didn't learn that uh the present moment awareness like dramatically where it actually impacted my life so greatly until maybe a year or two ago and it's had a huge impact on on me being able to um calm my anxiety because i'm definitely can be more of an anxious lover and uh yeah, so it's it's really important. Yeah, I think it's really important to work with you know if, uh, things like abandonment, things like this. I think it's really useful to work on these things on our own. Yeah, right. Go back to the idea of having space for a relationship, right? because what ends up happening a lot of times is if I'm if I'm unresolved, right, in my abandonment stuff, right, but I never give myself time and physical space, right, it's physical space and time to not fall easily back into the patterns of just wanting to connect with someone else. Right. Yeah. And I'm never actually getting anywhere with that, with that aspect of myself. Right. Yeah. And, you know, to me, the abandonment you know, piece that I'm finding myself at this point is remembering that while there's stuff that may happen in the past, the most important person or being that can, that I can, um, ah, talking in a circle there. Basically, it's important that I not abandon myself. Exactly. Right? And if I'm constantly moving towards a relationship with another person, it's almost a subconscious thing where I'm telling that part of myself, that, that deep, younger part that feels a little bit you know, unsure, that they'll always need someone else or something else in order to feel okay. Yeah. Right? And as long as that's the, as long as that's the pattern, as long as that's the belief, then we'll always kind of, again, we'll always kind of be a little bit unsettled. We'll be a little bit off balance. And, and for myself, what I, what I found is that there's, there's going to be parts of, uh, there's going to be young, I'll say younger parts of myself, like those, 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 those inner parts that won't trust my present self, my adult self, because I'm abandoning them. I'm yeah. abandoning them. Abandon. <laughs> you get my point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's really important to, to, yeah, just remember that at the end of the day, you know, like all, you know, as nice as it is to have connection, have relationship and all these things, like 
it really like I really believe that the the spiritual soul path is very much you know connecting with ourselves fully so that we can bring ourselves fully into the you know, the cosmic mix of everyone else that is hopefully doing the same thing yeah kind of hold up. yeah I like that a lot and I think as we move from um this place where we have been used to abandoning ourselves to holding space for ourselves and creating space for ourselves in the relationship. How do we know if we're doing it from a place of avoidance of intimacy or a place of actually needing to create space for ourselves, but being secure in the intimacy aspect? Cause it's a, I think that's a fine line. And in a lot of my relationships, I've actually attracted a lot of avoidant men into my, into my experience because I was more of an anxious lover and I needed them to reflect back to me that I need to hold space for me. And I was reflecting back to them that they need to learn how to set boundaries for their, their space. Right. And so that dynamic, it played out. And then as I'm doing some of my own healing, I'm coming full circle to creating space for myself, but how do I not go too far over into becoming avoidant of intimacy out of fear of, of losing myself? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. Okay. Yeah. I would say that for myself personally, it is, it's really a process of, of trial and error. Yeah. Right. It's a process of trial and error. And also what I work with, you know, what I offer for, what I offer to people is, you know, clients I work with is to do the opposite. Right. If someone's naturally, naturally quote unquote, more avoidant, then try being more attached. Mm-hmm. If someone's usually more attached in their relationships, then maybe go to the other side of the spectrum a little bit, mm-hmm. right? And the idea here is just like anything, it's finding that balance, right? Because if we're, we're naturally moving way to the left or way to the right, right? That's kind of our, our default. Then in order to find our center point, in some ways, we're actually going to have to go all the way a little bit further than yeah. is our balance point so that we can find that middle point. So again, it's really, you know, it's really how do we, how do we play with this thing, right? And how do we, you know, find find that experience. Yeah, I like that. And that's actually good advice. And I've, I've done that work before where I've gone on to a little bit more of avoidant tendencies to try and practice swinging. And you know, it's interesting. I attracted very anxious men when I did that because I was unavailable, right? And it's like, how can, how, what does my unavailability mean to somebody else? And usually it plays off of self-worth and those sorts of things. And it expresses itself as somebody being attracted to, to that experience in you because they're trying to heal things in themselves so fascinating how we're all just mirroring stuff to each other, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. Um, so there was a post that you put out recently and it just, it spoke so strongly to me and I want to be able to talk a little bit about it with you and pick your brain on it, but it was the seven pillars of highly soulful relationships. And I'm definitely going to add this to the, the show notes so people can uh, read this post cause it was uh, pretty powerful. Um, I'm going to read the seven pillars and then maybe we can talk about a couple of them that, you know, we feel would blend into uh, this conversation nicely. So uh, the first one is lead with curiosity. Actually, why don't we just go, maybe we can just do a little nutshell of each of them and you can kind of just explain what they, what they mean. Okay. So lead with curiosity. What is, what is that? uh, How, how is that a a pillar to a highly soulful uh, intimate relationship? Yeah. So as I'm sure this, you know, maybe the, even the, the, the name of it is familiar for people, right? It's, it's a little bit of a, of a take from the seven habits of highly effective people, right? Yeah. From that. And, you know, in that book, he really gives the, um, I'll say the tools that help people create these kind of 
you know, meaningful relationships. And so with this, you know, leading with curiosity for me, I really believe is the first thing, right? Because if I'm, if I'm not genuinely curious about another person, then it's kind of like, what's the point? Yeah. Right. Like, what's the point for me? Like, if I'm not actually interested in you as a person and I want to connect and engage and I'm, you know, kind of like, and, and I'm, and I am actively moving myself away from my own, you know, my own stuff, right? Yeah. Then what's the point of connecting with another person? And so when we leave with curiosity, really, I think that that's one of the most important things because part of life, I believe, is we don't know what's going to happen, right? Yeah. And we don't know who this person is. And even moment to moment, right? It's like we don't know who, you know, who someone is from today to tomorrow. And if we forget that, then we start relating with the person as a story, pattern, and all these things that just aren't um, nice to do with other humans. Yeah. I think that's awesome too, because one of the, my, my greatest needs in a relationship is to feel seen and heard. And mm -hmm. I do that, or I get that when somebody's curious about me, when they want to know about my life, when they're asking me questions. And so I think that's, that's uh, a plus man. That's a, that's such a good, uh, a good way to approach that. Um, the number, the pill, second pillar is communication is paramount. Yeah, you know, it's funny, as I've been stepping more and more into this idea of you know, conscious relationship or conscious connections, whatever you want to call it, the more I recognize that a very big, big piece of that is having to talk, right? Mm -hmm. And like using our words to express ourselves and to share how I'm feeling, right? And obviously, we can do that through body language in different ways. But I really feel that it's the, the, uh, the willingness and the intention to communicate with ourselves and the people around us that we want to create relationships with is absolutely paramount, right? Because if without that, what is there, mm -hmm. right? There's, there's not a lot of play with that. And so the, yeah, the, uh, I say the willingness, right? Because part of it, as we become better at it, then there's skillfulness to it, right? The skillfulness of, of, of expressing ourselves and all this stuff. But to me, that is, that, that's secondary to the willingness to just, how am I feeling right now? Blah, blah, right. And just kind of letting stuff come out. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and then of course the skill and the artfulness of that comes over time. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one as well. And it kind of reminds me of um, also being able to give the, give the, the part, your partner, the gift of being able to communicate the way that that works best for them. Because oftentimes when we're in a conflict, we can become anxious or we, we, we feel like we need to be soothed, right? And we need to have our needs met. But really, it's an opportunity for, for me to communicate what, how, how it works best for me and also giving my, my partner the space to be able to communicate on how that works for them. How important is that in a relationship, just being able to allow somebody to communicate how it works for them? Absolutely important. And yeah. to me, I feel like having having space for that, you know, having space for myself just to be able to express things that are important to me, things I'm not sure about, just having space to talk things through, right, is absolutely important. And that's where, you know, creating, you know, creating uh, context for, for conversations, creating, you know, space for difficult conversations, allowing space for another person, like you said, to express whatever they need to express and you know, mutually holding space and all these kind of tools that we can, that we can bring in is absolutely important. 
Yeah. Because without it, you know, again, you know, what are we really doing? Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Um, the third pillar is build trust, not walls. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. How on earth uh, do we do it? <laughs> trust is yeah. a tough one for a lot of people. It really is. It really is. Right. And I think it's hard, difficult for a lot of people because on some level we're all a little bit traumatized, right? Yeah. Either from relationship or just life in general. Yeah. And for the most part, we never grew up. Most of us probably didn't grow up with either the tools or the people around us to help us process those things, right? Mm-hmm. So we're a little bit like, uh, not so sure, right? Yeah. And again, these are more mindsets, right? These are more, again, pillars to, to put in place, right? As opposed to like necessarily absolutes that we want to, that we need to move towards, right? Because trust is an ongoing process, right? Like even, you know, like you and I right now, we're building trust. I believe mm-hmm. trust is built through time, space, knowing, experience. Yeah. And there really isn't, at least I haven't found another way around it, right? You can tell me that I can trust you, but there really isn't a way for, a way for me to know that without experience and and I think it's it's in a continual, you know, the reason why I say build trust, not walls, is because, you know, it is an active choice, right? It is an active choice for me to trust that you have my best intentions, right, until proven otherwise, right? Yeah. And also for myself to actively breathe, soften my body, come into my heart, and you know, based off the previous and past history that we may have to know that, all right, Matt hasn't done anything weird to me since this point. But even though I feel that something may happen, right, when I recognize that that, that anxiety is really typically coming from the past, has nothing to do with Matt, yeah. right, allows me to, you know, take a brick or two off the wall and yeah. to again, create more space between us that we can, you know, really connect with him. Yeah. So, so well said, honestly, because it's, uh, it's that discernment, right? It's that discernment of, okay, how much of my past is being filtered into this present moment right now? Mm-hmm. Right. And the question I have for you is um, there's, there's two types of people that I've had experiences with in intimate relationships. The type of person that comes in with a full cup of trust and then somebody that comes within an empty cup and they expect you to fill it. What would you say is, is a good approach in a soulfully intimate relationship when it comes to trust? It's tricky. Cause <laughs> I do. Yeah. Cause I, I definitely recognize that as well. Right. It's it, for one reason or another, I think people tend to come from that place, right? Full cup or empty cup. Yeah. And, and I think either way, the important thing for myself as the individual, right, who's who's you know, wanting to connect with another person is to first of all acknowledge that, yeah, right, that it is a thing, yeah, right, that people are coming to the table with different levels of trust, and to continually work towards adding more trust, yeah. right, or not losing trust, I guess, right, yeah. and so this is where the this is where my actions and my, you know, how I interact with someone, what I say, my, you know, my intentions with, with them is really important. Right. And this is where, again, knowing myself, 
right? Having a understanding of my triggers, of my stuff, is going to be really important, right? Because if I am not aware of that stuff, that that's just going to start coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll, again, start projecting, start blaming, all those things, which, of course, decrease trust. Yeah. Right? You know, to me, the most trustable person, the most trustworthy people are the ones who know themselves. Yeah. Right? Even if I don't like the person, right? If I know that they know who they are, I trust them more. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm sure we all kind of know someone who we may think is, let's say, not a cool person. But if that person knows that they're, or yeah, those, those are the right words, we all know someone who may be an ass, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I find that even if someone's an ass, but they know it, I trust them, yeah. right? Because I trust that person that they're going to act a certain way, right? Even if it's not the way I want them to, right? And again, these are all ways that we can build trust with each other, but it is something that I think that, that really builds over time. And I think it's important to, to recognize that, right? That, that, that um, it's unrealistic and unreasonable to trust someone fully right out of the gate. Even if, even if I'm coming to, you know, to the relationship as someone with a cup full, you know, you know, trust, you know, my trust cup is full. I think it's also important for my own discernment to recognize that that may not actually be what's really happening, right? That I may be overly hopeful or I may typically for for myself when I come to the table with a little more trust, it's because I want something from the other person. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I'm willing to not see maybe reality as much for the sake of this thing I want or this feeling I want. Yeah. And I think that's where the love drug, the lust stage can really become, uh, we lose sight very, very easily. And I think for me, what I've had to learn is uh, to not be so impulsive and to slow the pace down. That's how I've been able to build trust with people because when my trains go on full steam and then I have all this trust and then all of a sudden, you know, 10 days in the person completely isn't who I thought they were. And then I'm shattered and I don't want to trust in my next relationship. So if I can slow my train down and I can get to know them and give them the space to feel comfortable with me so they can feel that they can show up in their authenticity, it's you're really laying a good foundation for being able to build trust. But that's, that's where people get um, intoxicated by the lust. And it's just, they just want to go faster and harder because it's like a drug. It's giving us that feeling of connection and intimacy and all these things that make us feel so good. Right. So it's kind of, it's all about balance really. I think is what it comes down to. Yeah. It's really interesting. As you're, as you're speaking to that, what was coming up for me was how I'm sure that most children, when they come out of the, when they come out into the world, they probably are full of trust. Yeah. And you know, let's just say objectively that the world is, can be a hard, you know, not cool place sometimes. And so it's almost this process of almost parenting myself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like my inner child wants to just, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I feel it. Like my inner child just wants to love and trust and just like throw his arms open to the world. And yet I recognize there's the adult in me that has to care for that a little bit, knowing yeah. that the world is sometimes not cool. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it's this balance of, of, um, yeah, again, loving ourselves. Yeah. 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 Um, Pillar number four, give the gift of freedom and permission. Yeah. 
Yeah, so many times I feel in our regular life, you know, whether it's through our family or our jobs or our, our you know, things like that, there's a lot of expectation. You know, there's a lot of expectation, there's a lot of demand, there's a lot of, uh, and there's a lot of consequence, right? Mm -hmm. If we don't do things that another person, you know, in, in a certain way that another person wants us to do them. And how damaging is that, you know, for our, for our, our psyche, our emotional health, and all these things. And so when we're speaking about having a more, you know, soulful relationship, I think it's really vital to give people space and permission to be themselves, yeah. right? Explicitly, almost, right? And almost within that explicit um, invitation, also knowing that they're not perfect, right? Knowing that I'm not perfect, that we're both imperfect humans trying to do this thing. Yeah. And when I find when there is that kind of space, the, the shame, the blame, the, um, you know, all that stuff that kind of is very prevalent in, let's say, um, TV relationships, right, kind of dissipates a little bit more, yeah. right? And we can come into a space of, again, authenticity and vulnerability and trust. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And I, there, there is a part of me that kind of feels like I want to play devil's advocate with that, although I do agree with you 100%. Um, but there's the aspect of sometimes people can use that as, uh, permission to stay in something that's not working for them. If you're dating somebody and their lifestyle values and yours don't align, but you're trying, to, and I find as an empath, empaths do this a lot, right? We, we want to give people the benefit of the doubt. We want to let them be who they, who they are. But sometimes that doesn't align with me. And I've, I've dated um, men who just were not a good fit for me, um, you know, with lifestyle values, like drug use, alcohol use, those sorts of things. And I used my own empathy or my own compassion as a way to permit their behavior and allow them to, you know, so there's, there's a kind of an element again of discernment and balance where you have to look at it and be like, how can I, how can I be unconditionally accepting of this person and allow them to be who they are? But that doesn't mean I have to be with them if they aren't able to meet my needs. Right. right. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, boundaries is, you know, personal boundaries and knowing our boundaries and speaking to them, living them yeah. is extremely important. Yeah. Um, to me, I feel like that touches on number six, you know, which... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, it's funny, when I, was, when I was putting these together, number six was probably the one I wanted to put on top, but it just seemed a little too, you know, seemed a little too strong. You need to, like, soften it up a little first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the idea of personal responsibility, right, has a lot to do with this. Right? Yeah. Like knowing our, our own needs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, all emotions are welcome was the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I like this one. I'm curious to hear, hear what you you have to say about this one. Yeah, yeah. You know, I find that we live in a culture that is, generally speaking, uncomfortable with emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, especially as men, right? We're just not given permission to just feel the full range of things that, as a human, is available. Yeah, and so we're kind of stuck with you know these motions when there's so many more colors in, 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 the, in the box, right? I know, I know. It's unfair. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit, right? We're definitely owning that. We're, we're, we're owning back the coloring box. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and so within relationship, you know, I find there is, so if I'm in a relationship with someone and I really am curious about them, right, and I want to create and build something with them, you know, I do want them to show up fully, 
right? And part of that fullness is, again, the range of emotions. You know, I, I know for myself, I've been in relationships or just friendships where I don't feel comfortable sharing all my stuff, right? All of the emotions I'm feeling one day. You know, it's as simple as saying, as someone asking like, hey, how are you? It's like, well, I'm good, right? Now we know whether we have awareness of it or not, right? Yeah. That there's so many different layers past good, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if I really want to create a meaningful relationship with someone, it's really, first of all, for myself to be able to express all those emotions, right? In a, in a safe and healthy way that's responsible, but knowing and acknowledging that we live in a culture, again, that, that a lot of times um, suppresses, you know, suppresses is a big word, but, but you know, um, limits the amount, amount of emotions that, we're, that are okay to be expressed and to be felt. Yeah. If I give that gift to my partner to where they're able to express all those things, you know, to me, relationship is can be a very healing experience right? yeah. for a lot of things we have. And obviously there's nuance to that too, but you know, when we give each other the permission to feel and to express all the emotions that we have, you know, I know for myself when I'm with a partner and they're like expressing themselves, like sometimes it can be a little bit intense, but there's also a part of me that's celebrating that yeah. it's just like yes fuck yes like yeah. more right because you know as much as permission they have i have it for myself and it's just it's just back and forth thing that's just being human so yeah exactly and i, I what i like about that is it's a great way to build trust because it's like if i can allow someone to show up in the in the, the emotions that they need to show up in whether that be jealousy shame some of the real hard ones to sit with somebody as they go through because they're even harder to sit with ourselves to go through them then we're, we're we're opening up doors and and lines of communication for us to be able to bring forward um the, the our shadows really is what it's about right jealousy is a really tough emotion for people to experience it's a really tough emotion to be shared in an intimate relationship so it's uh you know for to be able to hold space for somebody to go through that it's one of the best gifts we can give give ourselves or give somebody else for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think an important uh, piece of that is not, you know, there's a tendency in our culture to fix people, right. Or to make things better. You know, typically because it's uncomfortable for me, right. Exactly. You know, someone's, someone's raging or someone's, you know, feeling a lot of, of grief and things like that. It's a very, I'll say it's probably very natural for us as humans with empathy and heart that want to like make things better. Yeah. Right? But when I'm able to allow all those emotions and to not say that it's good or bad or, or not enough or, or too, or too much, you know, it's really a way of, again, loving people through their process and helping them become more integrated and more processed and resolved within themselves, which ultimately gives me more of what I want, which is a full spectrum human. To yeah. So yeah. It's really, it's a full, it's a full circle there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Number six responsibility is everyone's responsibility. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this one. And I think, um, because for a long time I made it other people's responsibility and make me feel better. Yeah. You know, and that's obviously a, an equation that doesn't really work, at least not for long term, right? No, exactly, yeah. And, yeah, and I like I like uh, the way this is said because it's really two parts, right? It's you being responsible for you, but it's also me being responsible for myself, right? And when we're able to come together in in sovereignty, essentially, right? We're both 
um, responsible for our own experience. That is what I see being, um, it, it, it helps to buffer codependence and codependent behaviors. Yeah. Right. Because so often in most relationships, there's very much of a throwing my stuff onto you and you carry some <laughs> of it. And I carry some of yours and it's, and it works and it, and it works yeah. to a certain point. Right. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, you know, we cross the line and then we're seriously codependent. Yeah. And then it's like, <clears throat> and things don't really work anymore. Right. So I find it's really important to, to remember again, that I'm my primary partner that it's my responsibility to take care of me yeah. and that we, um, and that's nice of course, right. To have a relationship and to, to share, um, to, you know, it is a very human thing to share each other's burdens. I, you know, I, I think that support and all this stuff is absolutely important. Yeah. But I feel that if those things are done as the first thing, you know, without a foundation of personal responsibility, you know, the, uh, the structure's, really really wobbly yeah yeah i agree and i think it's important to to note that it's um it's okay to ask to have our needs met we don't have to meet every single need but what we need to do is we need to communicate how we want to be touched or talked to or this or that it's still because i think again it can really feed that that principle can feed into avoidant um, mentality of like, I don't need anybody. I'm, I'm, in, I'm independent and I'm autonomous and I don't need anybody else. But in, in true love and when you're connecting intimately with somebody, there is a bit of a reliance that you put on that person to meet aspects of needs. But the thing about it is it, it, it's, it, it's becoming, it's not becoming attached to it. It's preferring it. And the difference being, if I don't get it, I'm still whole. I don't need you to complete me. And a, a preference is I, I'm asking you to compliment me, right? And that's kind of how I like to, to differentiate those two. And um, it's definitely something I've had to learn on my journey of learning how to love is uh, how to not become attached to other people meeting my needs because that's codependency, right? It becomes, uh, it becomes very, uh, very heavy very quickly. Yeah. yeah, one one piece that I'd like to add to that because I yeah. really like what you said there yeah. is how is, is the idea that, you know, as humans, we're not perfect. Right. And I'm not going to do all this stuff correctly. Yeah. Right. And I think that's, that's absolutely okay. Right? Yeah. It's perfectly perfect. I think what's important is, is, is there awareness of these things? Yes. And does, and essentially does my partner consent, right? Like I may be working with, you know, let's say, you know, deep wounds from my childhood. Right. And, some of it's coming up, right? And I may not be able to hold it on my own, mm-hmm. right? Maybe if it's appropriate, if, you know, if I don't need like you know, more professional help, let's say, let's say it is, you know, able to be held within that relationship. To me, what's important is, first of all, is it, is it, are we both aware of it, right? Am I able to speak to it? Yeah. Is my partner able to speak to it? And do they consent, right? Are they cool with, you know, being with me through this part of this journey that hopefully I am working through and I'm yeah. working on? You know, because like I do feel that's one of the um, beauties of relationship is that it's through. I know for myself, I definitely experienced this. It's it's through relationship that I've grown the most. Right? Exactly. And, yeah. And you know, it's like we can read as many books as we can. We can watch all the YouTube videos and TED talks, and we can <laughs> do all these things. But if I'm just sitting in my room, which I'm doing right now, of course, <laughs> um, you know, and I'm not actually, you know, playing the game, right. And like engaging and having, you know, and like putting, 
putting the, you know, putting myself into the unknown space, right? It's like, there is a piece that that's missing, you know? And so, but there does have to be awareness. And and again, I, you know, to use the word consent on both sides that it's okay that we're figuring this stuff out together. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what makes it safe? I feel for both parties is when there's awareness that these are the, these are the pieces that I'm working with. And are you okay with that? Yeah. And that's where authenticity plays such a strong role in, in intimacy is that when we bring forth our transparency in who we are, we can work with who we are. Otherwise we're working with our facades, our masks, our personas, our ego and all that stuff. So it's like, I really do think becoming more authentic, stepping into, into you is a very, very important aspect before you get into intimate relationships, right? Have a little bit more awareness about who you are. So when you bring that person into the relationship, the other person can work with you. They're not working with all your, all your, your other stuff, which it's, we're never going to get to a place of wholeness before we get into a relationship. That's not what it's about, but having, like you said, awareness about it and being transparency about the things that you're aware of within yourself, I think is, yeah, we're, we're saying the same thing just in different words. I think it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I definitely know that there were times where I was, I felt very broken and very incomplete and very like, I'm never being in a relationship. Who would want to be in a relationship with me and all that stuff like that. Yeah. I remember one of my, one of my mentors, he said to me, that's cool. Just tell them about it. Yeah. And that free, I felt such a weight lift, you know, and so much freedom that I could not only, you know, not only that it was possible for me to be, you know, in a relationship as a, as a, you know, broken human, but that there was, but that was not also the point, but that there would be you know, healing and, and uh, you know, growth through that process. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. I love it. Yeah. The last one, we saved the best for last. I think this is going to be a really cool one. So co-create with intention. What on earth is co-creation? Let's talk about it. <laughs> Ooh, I love this. I love this. Yeah. You know, I, I love the concept of dancing, right? Um, not so much ecstatic dance, but more, you know, let's say partner dance or even like contact dance, right? Where yeah. there is an active moment to moment engagement with another person, you know, and, you know, even in, let's say traditional partner dance where there's, let's say a lead and a follower, you know, in order to dance well, both people, both parties have to be actively engaged in what's happening. Yeah. You know? And, you know, to me, the idea of co-creation, the other way I also look at it is, it's like, I got Lego pieces, you got Lego pieces. <laughs> let's, let's build something. <laughs> right? Like, let's put our pieces on the table and like build something together. Right? And it's important that, that we, and if we think about it, right? If, if, if I have a certain set of Lego pieces and you have a certain set of Lego pieces, right? We can build something together. But in order to build something with both our pieces, we need to be in communication. Yeah. Right? So that we're not leaving pieces out that we don't like. Yeah. Right? Leaving pieces with fit, right? Yeah. We're actually talking about like, hey, like there's this funny piece here that looks a little looks a little odd. What can we do with it? <laughs> right? Again, yeah. we're, we're we're building this thing together. And that's really what I what I yeah, the co-creation thing has really been something that that I I try to bring into everything, right? Because you know, and, and for me it also reminds me that it's not about me, right? Like I really believe the new paradigm of relating, the new paradigm in the world is moving away from I and even you to we and us. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, right. This is where we're, again, co-creating. We're creating together so that we can have something that is, you know, that we're 
that we both have ownership of yeah. and that we're both excited about, happy about, and that we can add more of ourselves to. Yeah, I love it. I love it. We're, we're doing very similar work and we have very similar um, reasons and inspirations about why we do what we do. We both want to see the world in a place where, where relationship and connection and things flourish. Because I think we both have shared experience in our past where we didn't feel like we belonged. We felt disconnected. And this is really the, the work that we're doing. And I feel like, you know, Inspired to be Authentic is really allowing people to learn skills so they can step into who they are and feel comfortable with who they are so they can bring their Lego pieces into this co-creation with people. And I don't just mean intimate relationships. I mean all relationships. So you can allow yourself to be seen in the fullest expression of who you are. That's, that's really all I want from Inspired to be Authentic is, is for people to feel safe to bring all, forward all their Lego pieces. So what a beautiful analogy that you just delivered there because it, it, it wraps it up. It brings it home, at least for me yeah. it did. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And I like that you, that you touched on it as well as that you know, these pillars and really a lot of what I speak to, it's not just about romantic relationships, right? It's not about platonic relationships. It's really just relationships as a whole, yeah. right? Like you know, how we engage is all relationships. Even, you know, it's funny, the other day after I wrote that, I started thinking I was relating those, those, those pillars to my relationship with life itself. Mm-hmm. That, that blew my mind a little bit. So if you want to have a little fun, fun uh, thought experiment, go through that with that in mind. And yeah, it's really, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot there. I like that. I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple fun things that I do with, with all my guests. Um, so how much of me can I be questioned? So there's so far we've got 31 questions on the list of, of questions to ask the guest. Um, and basically what you do is you just pick a number between one and 31 and I give you a random question. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to bring forth your Lego pieces of, of who you are, right? Based off of whatever the question is. Uh, and you answer it to the, the depth of however you feel comfortable. What's I your, love it. Yeah, it's a fun little game I like. Uh, the number that came up was 14. 14. If you woke up tomorrow with no fear, what would you do first? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the answer is probably do what I always do, which is poop first. Poop first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's funny. Um, Well, hopefully you don't have fear of pooping. (laughs) Yeah, I don't necessarily have fear of pooping. Not all the time. Sometimes I do. Depends on depends on what I ate the night before. Right? <laughs> um, uh, it's funny. That's the that's the first answer. Um, hmm, wow. I would spread the messages that we're speaking about as far and wide as I could, and as, as far and wide and as loud as I could, and. Mm. Yeah, without the the shame that I feel, right? The hesitation, the, the, the self judgment, the projection of judgment, all those things that I definitely, you know, still work, you know, still work through moment to moment. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I so like I that. I, and that's why I always use feel the fear and do it anyway, because I've been doing videos, I've been doing coaching, I've been doing all this stuff for a decade. And I still have the shame response. I still have the vulnerability hangovers. I still have the fear. I still have the anxiety. It's all there. I just choose to push through it. I choose courage over comfort, 
right? And uh, so amen to that. I love that, yeah. that, that you're practicing the same and you're on that same path that I am. It's like keep, continue to, sh- to speak your truth, continue to be who you are and continue to feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I really believe is that in, in every interaction, even if it's just me with life, someone has to go first. Right? Yep. Someone has to initiate the conversation. Someone has to step forward. Someone has to reveal themselves first for the other person to reveal themselves. Yeah. And you know, I think it's, it's a moment-to-moment, again, decision for myself and for anyone who's listening to say, there's a moment I can choose to step forward. And it's not to say that we have to every single time. It's not mm-hmm. to say that we should even like what's coming up for me right now is like, oh, I can definitely, I can definitely shame myself into like feeling bad for not stepping forward all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not about that, but it's just the acknowledgement that in any situation, someone or something has to be first. And we are choosing, you know, if I'm choosing love and I'm choosing, um, you know, a desire for connection and on a, on a bigger scope for the world to be more, you know, happy whole and in love with each other, mm-hmm. then, you know, there's almost, there is a, a bit of um, responsibility. It's mostly, mostly healthy, I think, for myself. You know, mostly healthy responsibility to, you know, to, uh, to show up, right? yeah. to, to create invitations for people to step through because, you know, we do live in a time in a world where I really believe these invitations are really desired, necessary, and, um, yeah, the world needs it. I agree. I agree. Mm. Uh, last thing is this is me tip of the week. So every week I ask um, the guest to share a, a this is me tip of the week. So this is me. To me, it means self-ownership. This is me. This is who I am. And it's really holding a container for you for you to show up in the fullest expression of who you are. What's one tip that you could share with the audience and how, how you can practice more self-ownership? Anything that comes to mind? What's coming to what's coming through my heart more than my mind is really. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really the permission to know that it's okay. That. We're not meant to be perfect. I'm not meant to have all the answers. Neither is anyone else. Mm. And that it's okay to be human and a little bit flawed, a little bit incomplete. You know, to be to be joyful, to be sad, to feel all the things that we may be feeling, and that at the end of anything we're feeling and experiencing. There's a little comma and it's okay. I love it. Yeah. The gift of allowance, such a beautiful gift that we can give ourselves and each other and each other. Exactly. That's, that's really, but we, we can't give it to somebody else unless we can give it to ourselves. So it starts with us and then we, we, we move on out from there. So, um, I want to, um, take an opportunity to plug a bit of your work because you're doing such great work. Um, 
you have a page, Soulful Intimacy on Facebook, which I highly recommend everybody to, to give this a follow because um, his posts are amazing. I love them. I've shared a few of them on my, uh, my Inspired to be Authentic page on Facebook as well. Um, so Justin offers one-on-one -on -one coaching programs, um, and he's also running an online workshop on topics related to creating empowering relationships. Uh, the best way to stay informed about these is to subscribe to his Soulful Intimacy newsletter at www.soulfulintimacy.com slash inspired to be. Love it. Um, and subscribers will receive a recording to his recent Conscious Relationship Recipe Workshop. Um, so yeah, definitely uh, check out what he's doing. Highly recommend it if you're somebody that's looking to to have more meaningful connection in your life. And I think we all are looking for that um, in this world that's constantly trying to get us to separate and disconnect mm -hmm. and everything like that. So um, yeah, again, I want to thank you for taking almost an hour, well, an hour and a half of your time to uh, sit down and talk with me. It really means the world to me um, and share your, your wisdom. You're, you're full of it. And uh, I really appreciate you. Yeah, right back to that. I, yeah. I really appreciate what you're doing and who you are and what you stand for. Yeah, thank you. Know, you. Definitely in a time in uh, yeah, we're definitely in a time where you know we gotta gotta spread the good word, and I yeah. love what you're doing. Yeah, I agree, and I think um, it's not ready to happen, but I feel at some point in the next in the in the future, there's going to be opportunity for you and I to co-create. I really do believe that. I think it's going to be something like at a retreat or a workshop or something along those lines. I think our paths are going to come together. I've felt this since the day I met you. So it's going to, it's going to happen at some point, but we'll wait and see what uh, the universe has in store for us. <laughs> Lego pieces are excited. Lego pieces. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. And uh, for people, uh, please feel free to leave comments below on YouTube. And uh, if you're listening to this, uh, subscribe, review would be great. As we are a new podcast, we're always looking to get the word out there. Share with your friends and family. Have a beautiful day, everybody.